Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC Podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week 35 of 2021, and our hearts and thoughts go out to the people of Afghanistan who are currently living under Taliban rule again after two decades of them being out of power. I'm Chris Louie, and with me, I have someone who I have plenty of pictures of sleeping during our mandatory sales training, my esteemed co-host, Duke Silver. I, I somewhat hate you for having those pictures, but, uh, you know, I am always handsome. But, uh, you know, on a completely different note, I decided to play basketball yesterday at, at LA Fitness with my son and his friends. And let me tell you, my back and knee hurts. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Uh, apparently, I, I hit that, that delta in my life. I'm officially old after playing two pickup games. It's a young man sport, Deech. sucks. <laughs> And someone who spent more time in the Middle East than the rest of us combined, Glenn Medina. Welcome back. Hi, everyone. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us. Happy to be back for podcast number 22. Like I said, I won't confirm or deny that, uh, that uh, I've been to the Middle East, but I'm here in Southern California enjoying the weather. Uh, it's uh, Bring Your Kid to School Week, and this week I'm dropping off my youngest to college. Uh, it's been a process to get her in her dorm, having to provide vaccination and ta- testing documentation, and it's a bit of a chore. Um, and I'll be I'll, I'll be honest to tell you guys, you know, being a technical guy, I am just shocked. Um, uh, I don't know who's managing these systems where we have to upload these documents, but they either need more budget or they need to get someone who knows what they're doing because every time we upload a document, the OCR recognition in them or the 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 AI that's built in them is not doing the right thing. So it's my little upset thing for the thing for the day. And let's get moved forward, Chris. Sorry about that. I, I had a customer the other day. They said that uh, we're trying to staple uh, 2021 technology onto uh, 1995 architecture. So maybe that's what's going on at that school. Yeah, it's like, hey, you have to upload a vaccination document. The kids upload them and it says it's not the right one. But it's exactly from where the place where they told you to go get the vaccination document from. And it's just, uh, it's crazy. You know, on that note, sorry to sidetrack us and derail us, but uh, if you guys ever do mobile check deposit using your phone for your bank, that's yep. another thing that really upsets me that that I, I take a picture of a check. Like, this is a machine printed check. Like, I, I get a check in the mail. It's machine printed, let's say, $25. I take a picture of the check and I say deposit this for $25 and then the app comes back and says the amount you're trying to deposit doesn't match the amount on the check. And just like you said, it, it's machine printed. It's not like a doctor's handwriting. It says $25 and I'm trying to deposit $25 and it says it's the wrong amount. So yeah, just my little rant there. Well, Chris also has a Blackberry. That's why. <laughs> it's good. Could be that. That would be upsetting, Chris. It, it just, it just, it's a, it's a failure of the technology, right? And it's like, why do we keep using these technologies in the year 2021 that don't work? I, I don't get it. So yeah. Anyways, no guests this week due to a last-minute cancellation. So just the three of us. Combined, we have decades of information security experience and are here not just to educate but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for you this week. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. I do enjoy having guests on for an outside perspective, but I also like the episodes where it's just the three of us. Now, Glenn, I'd like to revisit question number four from last week. Do security salespeople need security experience to be successful? 
The consensus from Brian, Sammy, and I was that it's not required, but it certainly does help. So as a manager, I think you have a unique perspective on this question, which is why I wanted to revisit it with you. We are primarily a networking cloud and security company. Would you hire someone who did not have these domains as the primary background, say in uh, Oracle or Kingston or Pure Storage, where they can be technical, but not have that networking cloud or security background? Wow, that must have been a juicy conversation last week that I missed. Sorry about that. Um, great question. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll tell you this for sure. I wouldn't hire an SE, a sales engineer, that had zero experience. Uh, but salespeople are a little different, aren't they? Um, as you go through this process for me, uh, I, I, think it, I think it's more f important to have a salesperson that under, understands or knows how to sell um, as opposed to... I don't know, as opposed to someone that, you know, may, may have been uh, a little too much uh, on the security side. I don't know, guys. I, I'll be honest with you. I think every every position is a little different, right? And even from a customer set standpoint, it all depends. Um, I, I probably will agree with you that you don't necessarily need the security background or the networking background, but it's good to know, right? Um, it, yeah, it it's uh it's a it's a it's a weird thing like when when you start talking about um you know backgrounds and acronyms get thrown around and back and forth and people start talking about what ztn is or is not tcpip all these weird words or these weird acronyms and your sales guy or or gal right goes up to you and says hey what does tcpip mean and you sit there and you kind of chuckle, right? So um, maybe, maybe not. But uh, I, I think some of the more su successful sales or account managers are the ones that are just tenacious in nature. Very well said. So was it a good conversation last week, though, Chris? I just want to know. Yeah, yeah, I think we had a good conversation last week. Uh, you can go back and listen to it, but... Yeah, I think we each had a, a perspective on it, Brian and I being from the sales engineering side and Sammy being on the uh, account manager side. But I think we all arrived at the same conclusion, uh, similar to what you did, that, that it really helps to be technical and to have that, that security background, but, but not required. I think they just need to have a credit score and a heartbeat and the, the ability to be a parakeet. That's all. <laughs> That's all we need. That's here. awesome. All right, on to our first story. Let's revisit Apple's child protection measures. Last week on episode 21, we discussed the more privacy invading feature of the client-side CSAM detection. And client-side scanning is the one getting all the news right now. That's what everybody is outraged about. So it's worth talking about the other half of the child safety measures Apple is planning to implement in iOS 15, their next major upgrade to their mobile operating system. I have a feeling that a lot more people can support Apple and get behind this one. I'm going to call this the Anthony Weiner feature. For those of you out of the loop or for international listeners, Anthony Weiner was a Democrat senator for the state of New York, married to Huma Abedin, who was Hillary Clinton's chief of staff and closest aide. He was caught and convicted of sending inappropriate pictures of himself to underage girls using the pseudonym Carlos Danger. So why do we call this the Anthony Weiner feature? Apple is releasing a feature which will detect when a minor, so in the US that's 17 years old or younger, 
when a minor sends or receives an inappropriate photo, and this is presumably through, through their iMessaging messaging app. Apple will be using client-side scanning and AI to determine the inappropriateness of the photo. So forget Periscope, I think Apple may have bought Jinyang's Not Hot Dog application. Apple's client-side AI is actually pretty good, and it only indexes photos when you're sleeping or when the phone is charging. And you can do a test right now. If you have an iPhone, pull it up, search for photos of a hot dog, or type in rabbit in the search bar or a car, and you'll get a bunch of results based on that object that you searched for. For children between the ages of 13 and 17 and enrolled in iCloud family, so that's a very important distinction, you have to be enrolled in iCloud family. So this is an opt-in model. When a child receives a sexually explicit image, the image will be blurred and the messages app will display a warning saying the image may be sensitive. If the child taps the view photo, they'll see a pop-up, the message that informs them why it's sensitive. And in the case of Carlos Danger sending a picture of himself, the minor would have been protected and not have to see it unless, of course, they wanted to. For children 12 and under and also enrolled in iCloud family, the pop-up explains that if the child decides to view the image, their iCloud family parent will receive a notification to make sure that they're okay. The pop-up also includes a quick link to receive some additional help. Lastly, if a child attempts to send an image that is explicit, they'll see a similar warning and the parents will get a similar alert if the child is 12 or under. So I like everything about this, but the, the one glaring problem that we have is kids don't use iMessage anymore because they know that their parents can just take in their device and sign in as them and, and snoop. And so they're using pretty much, I think Snapchat is probably the, the tool of choice. Um, TikTok, Snapchat, a yeah, whole bunch. whole yeah. bunch of them. Yeah. Signal, Telegram, WhatsApp. Uh, no. Yeah. Facebook Messenger. Do you, do you see a lot of kids actually using Telegram or Signal? I think it's, at least in Arizona, it's, it's a lot of Snapchat. But here's something that's weird, right? Imagine like it was like cross-platform and it can do it. The first thing when I was reading this, I was like, oh, my God, it can detect if the not hot dog is a minor i'm like how are they doing and then i realized it's this it's the age of the person using the phone okay so it's either a hot dog or it's not got it i i I like what they're trying to do right but like you said brian it's this is kind of a weird one where you go and you're 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 protecting the apps that you're responsible for right apple good job iMessage. but there's so many other apps out there that are built to just go around that um, so I, I just, I, I see it as a nice try, but re- the reality is what can you do with that? And, and I think you were saying though, that it, it, maybe it'll look and, re- uh, look at the safe photos that are inside of your phone. Um, and that's great if you actually save photos and from, from, um, from Snapchat, but I don't think that really does that anymore. Right. So it's, it's all, it's all contained within the application itself. So yeah, nice try, but um, how, how are you going to control the other applications? I think it's a feature and a bug for Apple because Apple is so secure that everything is just so containerized and siloed off. That's the exact reason Apple can only control the apps they, they make. So if it's Twitter, if it's Kick, if it's Instagram, it's one of those. I think Apple built in so many security protections to prevent things like cross-app tracking or cross-app data leakage that... This, this is probably the best they can do. Yeah, and, and I get this message now. It's like when I install a new app is, do you want to allow this app to talk to other apps on your phone? I'm like, denied. <laughs> no, thank you. 
because that's going to be my my on to my go forward. Don't want any of my applications looking or or or, or seeing anything else on my phone other than it, the application itself, right? So, so here's something insane aligned along the sign uh, along you know, not hot dogs, right? My daughter was added, and she's in high school, seventeen years old. Was added to a group chat that basically said, you know, nothing have you know, uh, faith like a woman's scorn, right? Or however the saying is. This girl added a bunch of other girls into a group chat along with a boy and basically said, hey, I'm about to send out your uh, your genitals to everyone in this group chat unless you pay me 100 bucks." Women, I should say, girls today are vicious, bro. And so my daughter was just like, holy smokes, like, uh, you know, please do not send this to me. Uh, he did he ended up not paying. He's like, I only got 50 bucks. You want a hundred. And she, so she proceeded to send the photo out. And is that, is, could you consider that bullying? <laughs> that is, that's totally bull, like that's bullying. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Bullying. And that's like, uh, what is that? That's, uh, what's the word for it, Chris? Um, it's extortion. extortion. It's extortion. Yeah. <laughs> Sextortion. I think when Sextortion, illicit yeah. images are involved. Yeah. yeah. So my daughter immediately yeah. took her stuff to the to the principal. Like, dude, like check. You know, this is what's going on. Too late. By the time it got sent out to like the to the, to the ten girls in the in the, the chat, it would like literally everyone in the school had it. This poor kid. I don't even know. I mean, you shouldn't be sending out pictures of your junk, anyways. But Jesus, like, it's terrible. Yeah, and I think I think that's what Glenn mentioned uh, when we we're talking about uh, child safety. Uh, probably a few episodes ago where he, he just said, yeah, you know, this is what I teach my kids. If you take a picture, just expect it to get out there. Even if you think you're sending it to one person that you trust, it only takes that one person to get mad or someone to steal their phone. And once it's out, it's out. There's there's no way to get the genie back in the bottle. And I think yeah. that's also the important lesson uh, for, for kids these days is it's it's impossible to erase anything off the Internet anymore. Yeah, what was that one movie where there was a couple, and they, they was it uh, Sex Drive? No, was it um, Sex Tape? I think with Sex with Tape. Yeah, Seth Rogen and <laughs> it's in the Cameron cloud. Diaz, <laughs> yeah, it, it's in the cloud. Okay, where's that? How do we get it out? <laughs> yeah. Do we talk about the, the the person that recently committed suicide? That uh, like video surveillance caught it. Was that like, at an airport? Did you guys hear about this or no? I don't no. believe so. No. So they unfortunately some guy decided that hey you know today's the day i'm gonna end he jumps off uh, some bridge but it's on company property and so it ends up falling into like you know it's being circulated internally of like oh my gosh like check this out like we actually have footage of this the next morning um that picture the image was removed from the end user's devices both in iMessage and as well as save photos so Whatever tool they were using for like MDM was actually able to go out there and scan and find it. I was like photos, yeah, but like inline text message that that kind of blew my mind. I was surprised to see that MDMs have come that far. So I, I know you could do that. Well, like you could do some type of encryption with files, right? So that my previous company I worked for, you could encrypt a file and then it doesn't actually send the file out. It actually sends a link to the file. And if you're allowed, then then the, the original user will get a message and says, hey, this person's trying to access this file. Do you allow them to get access to it? And, it, and whenever that file got released, and if, like, for instance, I sent it to you, Brian, and then you forwarded it to Chris, um, as soon as Chris tried to open it, I would get a message as well, right? So it's some type of PGP encryption inside there along with um, some level of 
permissions checking uh, to prevent the file from being you know misused or or being forwarded. That's actually I thought that was actually pretty cool. Yeah, that is super cool. Yeah, that is a digital. Too bad footprint. that company's kind of defunct now. <laughs> <laughs> What, now, what, what is that like an application sandbox? Is that like what what feature would that be? Is that just an MDM? Like what is that? No, it was just it was so it was semantic uh, VIP paired with their um, with their PGP their file encryption technology. Gotcha. Oh, so, so it's linked back. This okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Are you surprised that I, I think the MDM in question that was used here was AirWatch? Are you guys surprised that it was able to find it in a text message and remove it? it? Isn't it dependent on where the company lists that in the container, whether it's personal or 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 private? I mean, personal or corporate. So if it's in the corporate container, they should be able to recall anything that's oh, inside there. It's pretty wild. Yeah, that or they have a policy. These, are, these could be company issued devices, and they said, yeah, anything on it. If you do anything personal on it, we have the right to wipe it and things like yeah. that. It doesn't necessarily have to be containerized, but I, I think if, if you install an MDM on your phone, like basically all, all bets are off, even if they say there's a personal side to it as well. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they have the capability to grab things there, extreme cases like this. And, and for the record, like it wasn't anything like super graphic. It was like, hey, you know, here's the here's the guy walking towards the destination, not like here he is on the ground. Like, yeah, <laughs> just not, they weren't like, yeah. Any hoops. All right, on to our next topic, and this topic is called Attack of the Books. The huge corporate hacker conference Black Hat and the underground conference DEFCON took place two weeks ago, and we didn't really get a chance to talk about any of the cool research that, that came out of it. Both conferences were a hybrid model this year. Last year, they were 100% uh, digital, and this year, they had a hybrid model. But at DEFCON this year, Checkpoint Security demonstrates a, a really cool exploit that could remotely take over your Amazon Kindle e-reader. Amazon sells tons of these e-readers, and if you took part in the Prime Days this year, you know they're pushing them really hard. Apparently, Checkpoint was able to craft a malicious ebook that when you installed it on your Kindle device, it would grant someone remote root access to the device. Now you may say, Big Whoop, why do I care if someone can see my summer reading list? The other lens you have to look at this through is that Amazon, for some unknown reason, ties AWS accounts to Amazon e-commerce accounts. So I have an Amazon e-commerce account that got owned about 10 years ago. I talked about it on the show, but I also have an AWS account where I run some of my lab uh, virtual machines. Now imagine a corporate user using their corporate email address for their Amazon Kindle e-reader and someone getting access to that e-reader then immediately gets access to their entire AWS environment. Corporate users, corporate security users don't do that. Never, right? Yeah, they can't read. <laughs> security, oh. ne- yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> no one ever ties their corporate account to Amazon. Why would they do that? Yeah, or Ashley Madison, for yeah. sure. Yeah, uh, that, was, that was the episode we had before. So that, I guess that goes to show you there's a lot of people out there not practicing uh, safe email um, association here. Hey, hey, I didn't, I didn't have a chance to read it, Chris. So it, it only it that attack only affects Kindle readers. But what about those applications that are sitting the the Kindle apps that sit on Android or 
iPads or iPhones for that matter. Any idea if those are attached in that in that attack vector? I believe this research was only for the actual Amazon hardware. So the the Kindle e-readers, the the what do they call it, the paper e-paper yeah. ones, and then I think the Fire tablets as well, but but not the apps that sit on top of other operating systems. Okay. Okay. You know, leave it to an Israeli-based yeah. company to once again wow me, right? Um, I probably shouldn't even share this out there, but research.checkpoint.com, probably like my most favorite place to go to read technical stuff. They have got some phenomenal researchers over there that put together just insanely great uh, uh, you know, quality content all the time on a variety of different things, whether it's Mac OS um, hardware devices, uh, SSL, TLS inspection, they have just phenomenal write-ups all the time. Highly recommend, 10 out of 10. I think it just goes to show, too, that any type of internet-connected devices or IoT devices, they, they act as an enormous attack service. And I think a lot of companies don't, don't realize that, that IoT, typically the joke is IoT stands for installation of Trojans. So if I have a internet-connected phone, internet-connected thermostat, they have internet-connected toothbrushes now. And if I put these things on the corporate network, not thinking of you know, what type of attack service I'm opening up here, that if you don't segment out the network properly, someone can own a smart TV and then get into your corporate network that way. It's, there's been tons of well-documented cases of that exact thing happening. Yeah, and I think I think Brian what stated that in one of the episodes as well, right? We were talking about IoT and there's attacks that come home routers or whatever right or in my situation i've got i've got uh, my my treadmill at home that connects over the internet and i can see all kinds of traffic heading out towards the internet and it's like well, what is this thing doing like it's there's no one on the damn treadmill what are you updating so yeah and i have a smart tv and i i pass my smart tv traffic through my my internet security filter here at home, and I caught it trying to reach out to a server out in Russia. I said, this is a Korean TV. Why are you reaching out to a server in Russia? And but, yeah, sure enough, I caught it. I saw the block and started to raise some questions. So we just remodeled the house, uh, or I should say the kitchen, and the oven that we got is, you know, IoT enabled, so you can turn on, you know, preheat the oven when you're at the store. Um, I don't know if this is a coincidence or not, but... Um, or a feature. So there's two things. Number one, you can actually turn off the remote um, um, enablement. Call right? home. So you can, yeah. you can turn that off. But also, anytime I do a firmware upgrade, so it comes up as like, hey, we need to do an upgrade. It always forgets how to connect to the to Wi-Fi. So I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, well, maybe if it was like breached somehow, maybe as a feature, and you know the the attacker you know modifies the OS and causes it to reboot that uh, it doesn't automatically join back to the to the to the Wi-Fi connection to be able to the phone back home. I don't know. Maybe so that's a real. Is that a feature? Or is that a bug? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or do they want you to type in the password so that way they know they can store one more bit of password in their database of many things that they just capture, right? What's interesting so, too is you, yeah. have, you can't do it from the the LCD menu. You have to join it. To, you have to you have to do the management from your phone. Oh, by the so way, create like an ad hoc peer to peer network and then connect to it that way. Ben, uh, if you go out to research.checkpoint, probably the, my favorite writer that's on there is Ben Herzog. H e r z o g. 
I've actually even reached out to him before I figured out his company email. I'm like, dude, I love what you write. Keep it up. Yeah. That name sounds familiar. Yep. Does it really? That's funny. Yeah, that name sounds very familiar. Yeah. Here is our not ransomware story of the week. The Lockbit ransomware gang is attempting to recruit company insiders to breach corporate networks. Typically, these ransomware-as-a-service gangs enlist the help of so-called initial access brokers to gain remote access to corporate networks. It looks like the ransomware gangs are diversifying and expanding their options for breaching networks. Some initial access brokers are asking as much as a half a million U.S. dollars for domain admin access to a large multinational uh, corporation. So why pay all that if you could just pay a disgruntled employee say $30,000 to plug a USB drive into a terminal, you know, they might just do it. This actually happened to Tesla about a year ago. A Russian national approached an employee at Tesla's Gigafactory in Nevada and offered them up to a million dollars to the employee to help launch a data exfiltration and ransomware attack, a so-called double extortion attack. Instead of taking the payday and retiring happily in Nevada, the good guy insider alerted the information security team who contacted the FBI and set up a sting operation. The Russian was caught and convicted. Did they give him like any type of bonus for be- being Yeah, a I know. Person? I was thinking the exact same thing, Brian. I'm like, I hope he at least got half a million from, from Elon on that one because he just saved them a whole bunch of money. I, I remember there was a campaign to get him rewarded somehow, and I think Elon said he, they were going to reward him. I don't know what came of that or how much it was or, or what happened exactly, but the guy definitely did the right thing there. Well, he has a peace of mind. Whatever he was given as compensation, he can actually spend without any giant red flags on him. <laughs> exactly. And he doesn't have the threat of, you know, after he launches this attack that the uh, the Russians might make him disappear, so to speak, instead of paying him the $1 million. Yeah, I'd be like totally nervous, right? It'd be like, oh my God, some Russian guy just asked me to do something. And if I don't do it, it's like all my daughters will be kidnapped somewhere and disappear. And I owe, yeah. So what do you, what's, the, what's the right thing to do, right? Sometimes doing the right thing, is it's hard. I mean, a million dollars is hard to kind of pass up, depending on like what level he's at and, and whatnot. Uh, you know, good for him yeah. though, for sure. And I mean, think about like how, like right now it's one thing, but like if this is like 20 years down the road and, you know, there's t- even more electric vehicles out there and you get the the market leader and you're just like, yeah, we're just going to throw the brakes on all the cars. Like that could be devastating, right? That That's that's a feather in the cap for people that want gasoline engines that aren't connected to the internet anymore. What number would be uh, appropriate to, to ask for? <laughs> I know we talk about, like, there's just not enough money in the world for that because I don't like jail. But what money would be like, hey, you know what? If you give me, like, 20, maybe I'd, I'll do it, right? Let's just plug it in, right? So it's, maybe I just leave the USB key sitting on a desk somewhere and someone else plugs it in. I, I just happened to find this USB key. I, I left it on a desk in a conference room and someone else plugged it in. So actually part of the Tesla story... Uh, so they didn't cover here, but it was in it was in the news article. Was the the Russian guy uh, that who approached the Tesla employee actually said, "We already picked out a scapegoat for you. Go use this guy's machine. We already set up this like paper trail to to <laughs> place the blame on someone else." So they had this entire elaborate scheme. They had an exit strategy for this guy. But yeah, that's 
So if it sounds too good to be true, something's up, man. Like yeah. you've done all this recon. Like why don't you just go over there and do it yourself? But I'm with you, Glenn, right? Like, well, heck, I mean, you, they probably would have had better luck just like going out to the break room or outside the thing, like similar to other attacks, just throw out a bunch of USB drives and hope you know one of them, somebody dumb, picks it up and plugs it in. Yeah. Yeah. But the other side of that, though, right? The other side of that, Brian, sorry, is like you do that and then all of a sudden it does get traced back to you or or and it goes back to the Russians and all of a sudden you disappear. <laughs> you just get banned. You just get banned. Oh, not, not, who cares the work side, right? It's like in, in Russia's efforts or some other country's efforts to kind of back themselves out of it, they make you and your whole family disappear just because you are a loose end at that point. Yeah, right. van, van with a V. So they just van. roll up with a van, okay. you get thrown in the van, and then you're never heard from again. It's called getting yeah. vanned. Yeah, I think I read too many spy novels. So sorry, Brian. <laughs> no, like, but to answer your question, like, here's the thing, right? I like Tesla, so I don't know that there's a there's a dollar amount there that would convince me to go against it. And then there's also like the moral thing, right? Like, oh my God, like, what what are they going to do? Just crash all the cars into like into the White House? Like, that could be bad. Like, I have no idea, right? Like, that could just be devastating. But if somebody's like, yeah, man, we're going to take out McDonald's, I'm like, yeah, f McDonald's. I don't like McDonald's. What do you want me to do, man? Like. Ten, you know, uh, a million is way too much. I don't know. Whoa, 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 whoa! I personally <laughs> like McDonald's coffee. I know you're yeah. two four fifty. So yeah. How do we ever get the McRib if they crashed into all these McDonald's? We never get the yeah. McRib back. Go work at McDonald's for one week. You will be disgusted. <laughs> all right, on to our last topic, and this is going to be a rotating topic every week. And this week is going to be the host get hacked part three: credit card security. I didn't want to do another the host get the host get hacked series, but I was encouraged by several of my peers and my co-hosts to talk about this on the podcast. This week, I got that dreaded call from my credit card company, seeing there were some suspicious charges on my credit card. The house of pain. Uh oh, right. The bank started reading off the last few charges to my credit card, and the first one was seven dollars and change to a merchant that was just a random jumble of letters. This is most likely the test transaction to ensure the card was valid. The next charge was to an online gift card retailer, a huge red flag. And the last one was a $1,500 charge at the Apple store. So bingo, that's what the thieves were really after. I went through all the charges on my card for the last month, and there were only two that stood out as possible sources of the compromise. The first one was my dentist, who has an antiquated payment processing system, which requires me to write down my credit card info on a piece of paper and mail it to them. So horrible data confidentiality. And I don't even know if that's PCI DSS compliant either. The second possible source was from an unsolicited text message I received from a random high school student looking to fundraise for his football team. Now, before you go asking why the so-called security professional is answering random text messages and clicking on links, you know, I did my due diligence. I verified this was a legitimate fundraising site. I did the who is registration checks. I ran the site through multiple malware analyzers looking for mage cart credit card stealing malware. And when I visited the site, I used remote browser isolation technology so I wouldn't download any malware to my computer. And the student story checked out. I won't say how I figured it out, but it did. It, the, the story made sense. The smarter thing would have been to use privacy.com for a one-time virtual credit card number, but I just can't say no to that 2% cash back on my credit card. 
So maybe, I don't know, the, the dentist thing kind of stands out. Like anytime I go see my accountant, I'm like, dude, like if someone is broken here at night and took your computer, like I'm screwed. And so is everyone else. Like there is no security in here. You don't even have an alarm. And this is an old person's house. Like I don't even understand. So I, I, It's not just the computer, but like actual paper records. Like do they shred these things after they put it in? Or, you know, what's, what's their data retention policy? How do they store you know, PCI data? I don't I don't know how anyone can get away writing down a credit card credit card information or your personal inf- your information on a receipt, you know, and then it's like, okay, we'll charge you when we get back to the office. It's like, dude, you don't know how fishy this sounds right now, right? So, yeah, I'm with you, Chris. Now, I'll, I'll tell you as a safeguard for me is that I have got several c- credit cards and those credit cards are deemed for certain actions. Like I have online credit, an online only credit card where it's only used to to make my online purchases. I've got another one where I travel, so I use that one for that. And then I have one specifically for medical, right? So um, I, I try to separate everything out so at least I can get to the source of where things are. And then if something does get hacked, um, one of the cards gets popped. I'm not trying to change all my numbers out everywhere. It's just only a specific subset of things that I'm doing. Well, it's that, and you also have that text message alert, right? You said anything that's over a $0, yeah. you immediately get notified of it. One penny. One penny, Chris. So uh, anything that comes out of the char- – uh, any charges that come across the account, um, I get a penny notice. Uh, anything over a penny, I get a notification on. So when I see the – when I see things go crazy, I'm, like, asking my wife or kids, is like, are you guys charging something? Are you guys buying something? Um and then I quickly look to see where they are, you know, because I'm tracking them as well and uh, and uh, trying to see if it's associated to something, maybe where they are and what they're doing. You're taking so. all the fun out of going to Target. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, after you get popped a couple times, it's just, it's just, it's mind numbing, right? It's like at the end of it, you're not going to pay the credit card charge, but it is, it is a waste of time to go, I mean, a big waste of a big waste of your time or suck of your time to go out there and have to go change these credit card numbers everywhere, right? So you create these little things that you go along just to make sure that, you know, if, if things do happen, you, you, you know you're, you're limiting your liability there, right? So like one of the other things I do is when I go get gas, I think, I don't know if I've told you guys this, but I, with the credit card, I always end the number, the penny number to the month. Right. So if my credit card gets used to go buy gas somewhere and my kids know this, too, you know, if it's January, you end it on a penny. You end it, you know, you're in February, you end it on the second cents. Right. And I actually learned that from Oprah 30 years ago. So kind of funny. Well, now your secret's out. Yeah, but you got to know who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Got to look back. Yeah, Uh, I'm a nobody. (laughs) Hey, kudos to American Express. So. I, I received it. This is a while back, back before they actually, there were chipped cards. I had a, my corporate um, American Express came in. So I got it. I took the old one. I put it into the shredder, but it's only the one that would shred like this, like lines through it. Right. Tossed it. Uh, like a month later, I get a call from American Express asking like if I was at Walmart off of Dobson Road in, in the 202 freeway trying to buy stuff. I'm like, I'm not. They're like, well, you know, According to us, you're trying to use your old credit card. I'm like, what the hell? Like, you mean, like, so, like, let's just put this together right now. There is somebody at a Walmart with a 
with my physical card, my one that I shredded, <laughs> that <you> shredded. <laughs> trying to reuse this card. And the only thing I can deduce from this is, is like, all right, it probably went into the recycling bin. Some dude at the, you know, the city of Mesa that does the recycling got it, put it back together, used a card, re- card reader to reconstruct the card and went and tried to use it. But the only reason it got stopped was either it was because it was the older card or Amex saw something fishy going on there. But that, that blew my mind. The great yeah, links. Just goes to show how, just go to show, yeah, the, the links that people will go to to steal credit card data. So, so Chris, this is the second time you've been popped in two months. <laughs> so, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's a very good question. Like, I, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I could be doing differently other than doing the virtual credit card route. Um, you know, the whole Best Buy thing, you know, I enabled multi-factor authentication. Now that they, they support it. Just one of those things, you, you got to stay on top of it and, you know, check your statement. Every month. I know people that just pay off their credit cards, they don't even check their statements. And yeah, I tell them, you got to check your statements, make sure there's no fraud on there. You're, you're, and you're one of the most secure people I know, right? You're, 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 you're pretty, uh, uh, you're, you're, you're probably more than than the average person, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So kudos to you on, on, on finding these, these things and stopping these things way before they happen. I don't know. So. I don't know about that, Mr. Like $20 and two cents because it's February. You may have one up him today. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but I mean, I think the, the lesson here is that even you can be extremely security conscious and do that, but somehow some way somebody finds a way to to compromise you and it, it it might not even be those two transactions that i flight i could have bought something at home depot and then home depot had a breach that we don't know about yet i mean that's that's entirely plausible yeah but those were the two that were probably the most suspicious until we hear about some large-scale breach it, it, and I'll be honest with you guys. I mean, that's one of the main reasons why I don't use a debit card because debit. If I were to use a debit card regularly, oh my yes. god! Imagine that yes. money coming straight out of your account right away. Yeah. That's like, ugh, no, thank you. I, and that can be devastating for people. Like you'll get the I, money back, but can you afford to not have a few thousand dollars for like two months or however long this yeah, investigation? But I takes. heard. But I heard you're you're responsible. I mean, they they you could be ultimately responsible up to two hundred dollars per incident. I thought it was well. five hundred dollars. Is it five hundred dollars? Okay, yeah. And, yeah. and then credit card yeah. was fifty, right? Yeah, yeah. And and in, in credit, they just they just remove it from your line, right? As opposed to a debit card, where it's gone. Like you may not see that money for a while until yeah. it gets cleared out. I think at least here in the U.S., it's a credit card. If it's fraud, you're, you're, you're you should be responsible for zero. Like you're, yeah. You shouldn't be responsible for any fraudulent charges on your cards. At least here in the U.S. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, I'm going with an infosec dad joke. Where did the hacker escape to? I don't know. No. He ran somewhere. <laughs> Always in line with your your famous. Topics here, killing me small. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> nice one, Chris. All right, to wrap things up, Apple is still trying to protect children with a feature we can all get behind this time. Your Amazon Kindle can potentially compromise your AWS account, so patch now. There is an update for the Kindles to fix this. Ransomware gangs are recruiting insiders to help launch attacks, and the hosts get hacked again. 
That's all we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. You can help us grow the podcast by telling somebody else about it. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help us grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the PebCAC podcast on your favorite podcast listening app, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For my co-hosts Brian Deach and Glenn Medina, I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week. And as always, have a nice day. Have a good one, everyone. Bye, guys. And now you're 10% more likely to be hacked.